You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. There we go, Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. And we are diving into a trilogy of books called Detroit, Detroit City of Champions. City of yep. Champions. Been talking a lot about the Tigers. Uh, and then just pretty much most those, of the show has been the Tigers. You we know? launched things off, kind of gave a big overview, and then uh, been doing a lot of Tiger talk. But today, um, I'm excited, man. Shooting, I, I love the 1934 and 35 Lions, man. Shooting lo- it right over the backboard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a very obtuse, uh, yeah, it's a little, yeah, happy it's, days reference. Oh, it, well, you're t- I thought you were going to say jump the shark. That's a happy day. That's the, yeah. when I, that's I saw a thing about the jump the shark yeah, concept. Yeah, no, well, no. Let's hope we don't ever jump the shark. No, Joni had a crush on Potsy for a while. Okay, and uh, he he missed the free throw, and he was so good he shot it all the way over the backboard. Oh my god! Now you got to <laughs> further give me more of that because I got to follow like this. So what? So he. So he was nervous for Jan- to, to date her or something, or he was like, if, if no, he hit it was, the shot, then well, she was get a little, she was a little girl, and she was just loving him from afar. Okay, and everybody was picking on him because he blew the shot. She's like, she was like blowing it up. It's like he was so good, he threw it over the back. Oh, I got you. Okay, but we're talking about a different potsy this time around. Yeah. Okay, now I get where you're going with that. The potsy from oh, I got you. Okay, now I get you. Now I get it's you. obtuse, man. Most of what I say yeah, just makes very little no sense. Well, no, makes sense. well, I'm the type that likes to process what somebody. Saying to understand what somebody's trying to get us. If I don't, I mean, you're gonna have your obtuseness is gonna have to be further explored. Just be warned of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we got uh, episode eleven. It's uh, Potsy. It's the forgotten genius of George Clark. Yeah, like I say, I'm I'm excited, man. Like, um, and and there's no way I, I like I was saying that I don't think we're gonna be able to get through. There, there's no way we can get through all Potsy in this first episode. In this episode, yeah. so. Um, I, we're going to take our time with him because sure. he's, uh, he, this is, um, Patsy Clark is an absolute, um, legend, uh, in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And he is probably like, there's so much forgotten stuff, um, yeah. from this story. Um, but really, like I say, Detroit sports in general, I mean, we owe such a debt of gratitude sure. to Patsy Clark. Um, oh. and really the overall 1934 and 1935 lions, um, the, if all the, of all the, uh, teams, athletes, uh, components of this story right. that are overlooked. It's the it's the 1934 and 1935 Detroit Lions. Um, they're virtually unknown. I mean, like there, there's there you know the, every the, what vague small references there are to this team yeah. are just so obscure. I mean, like okay. you, like every once in a while. I mean, really, the only person that ever gets mentioned from this team is another is a guy named Dutch Clark. Okay, um, who is no relation to Potsy, who we're going to discuss today. But otherwise. Even in their day, mm-hmm. the Lions were overlooked. The Lions were, it, like I say, it's almost like a tragedy because their story is so amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's like, I mean, it's just such an incredible story. And the players behind it, what they had to go through, all the stuff that led up to it is just, I mean, it's literally you could just make a movie on the Lions, um, which is why, like, putting them all together is just such a, a tremendous story. Like the Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, all of it. Because um, the sports enthusiasm was building in Detroit, because the Tigers it, yeah, were on fire as yeah, we went through. We, the yeah. Tigers were the biggest thing out. The thirty-four okay. and thirty-five, you know, like 
um, you know, they were the biggest thing. Right. Um, but and so it's not just a marketing ploy bringing this other team in here? Well, I, I don't want to say – I don't think it was a marketing ploy. It was okay. as much as it was an opportunity. Okay. Um, you have, but because you have, because the, just the over overview is, is that you have, um, a very talented football team mm-hmm. in Portsmouth, Ohio. And, and, uh, but the, but this, this, the town Portsmouth is, it's, it's kind of like Green Bay in the fact that, it, you know, originally in football, you had these small towns that had these professional teams. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the, but Portsmouth was really hammered by the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And so even the, the minuscule salaries that these players were making at this time was still not enough to support the players, but they had a great team. I mean, this is one of the three best teams of the, you could say four teams because the, the, really the best teams of this era, Green Bay Packers, sure. Chicago Bears, New York Giants, and the Portsmouth Spartans. Um, they're the, they're the, the top four teams. And in fact, if I was the, I mean, you would, the, the top three exclude the Giants. The Giants were good. And the Giants, you know, you know, they, they, they won, but, um, but the, but the Portsmouth was one of the three elite teams that were always at the top, at okay. the finals, you know, in the very final couple games at the end of the season to decide who was the champion in that. Um, but anyways, they had a very talented team. Yeah. And so here, and so at the end of 1933, the team is completely broke. Um, they, they were, they were paying their players with, um, with shares of stock in the team. Like oh. the, I mean, they're, in fact, their best player, Dutch Clark, had left the team because he, uh, he was, and he had left it at the end of 1932. Um, he was like he wasn't even there for their final season. That's how broke they were. Oh, um, like they couldn't afford to to, to pay him. So, um, so anyways, they um, uh, and so it was at the end of 1933. The team mm. is is disbanded, and oh. that's where the opportunity comes along in 1934, where uh, where the Tigers are just like you know exploding as we've already gone through. Right. Um, the city's going insane for the Tigers, and there's this opportunity um, to to the the NFL season opportunity because the uh, Detroit had failed three times to establish an NFL team in much better economic circumstances, mm-hmm. meaning the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. And uh, and here's an opportunity now if they can you know there's this winning baseball team that's that captures the fascination of the of the city and of the state, and so here's an opportunity. What if we can bring an NFL team in, into this mix, a talented team, a good team, mm-hmm. and in, in essence uh, associate this this team with this wildly popular Tigers in some way? You know, get some of the fans to you know associate with them. And so, uh, without going too far into, because I really want to get into Potsy. Sure. Um, the idea was is that the, the their their best player, Dutch Clark, was brought back. He was they they paid him a bunch of money, got to bring him back. He was billed as the Ty Cobb of football. Um, is like their mark. You know, like there's a new Ty Cobb in Detroit, but he doesn't play baseball. You got to come watch. You know the this team over here. And then of course they needed a team with a jungle theme to keep up with the Tigers. Sure. You know, is in the Lions. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's okay. the idea. So they were brought in at that moment to try to, you know, to tap into that, you know, newfound uh, sports renaissance with the Tigers. Yeah. And uh, this story really that's going to be told is in what I've already kind of alluded to is that, um, is that rather than, rather than that happening, Mm-hmm. They found themselves in the situation where they were in the in complete shadow of the Tigers. Uh, like every single, like it didn't matter what they did. Like they were always in the shit. They were always at like page one is the Tigers, page three or four is the Lions. They were sure. always at the back end of it, and sure. so they were. Um, so we, well, we yeah. mentioned that last week we were looking at uh, a newspaper from 1934, mm-hmm. and it was two days, only two days after their first game. after the first game, and there was an injury report about someone from the other Giant, team, yeah, yeah. and that was the only little blurb that mentioned uh, at all. And it was their very first game in yeah, the city. Yeah, that's uh, astounding. And they won too. So, tell me a little bit about football in America 
in in, in at this time in the 30s yeah. there is it how cuz you would get like a, a good team and a popular team in baseball would get a million visitors. Yeah. Um, how, was football that big? And what was the state well, of it? The, the, it's, it's worth mentioning the, sort of the evolution of pro football a little bit um, yeah. into this context. Because initially in the early 1900s, college football was it. Mm-hmm. Like college, like you were, you played college football, and then like after college, it was pretty much done. There, there was pro football, like Jim Thorpe was the big na- headliner in the pro football world in the in, on late, like in the mid to late 1920s. Yeah. And I got a fantastic story about Jim Thorpe. It's a, like this great analogy if uh, if we get a chance to throw into it. Okay. But um, remind me, I almost need to write it down. It's such a great story. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, uh, well, you want to you want to hear it real quick, just so I don't forget. Yeah, it's a good spot. Because uh, for... yeah, this is a great spot for the yes. Yeah, so, okay. So anyways, there's this. It's just this iconic thing. It's like a little ditty. So the idea is, is that uh, Newt Rockney, who is a very famous name, Notre Dame, and all this. Sure. So so there is so Newt Rockney was done with college and now he's playing for the Missilian Tigers. And this is I, I forgot what year, but it's in the 1920s. And so uh, he's a pro playing for the um Missilian Tigers. And so he's and he's playing defensive end. And Jim Thorpe is and Jim Thorpe is a legendary player. I know you don't like to know too much about the sports mm-hmm. element, but Jim, but but Jim Thorpe was like literally one of the best. I know the name. He's one of the best. He's, be he's one of the best athletes in like America ever produced. Okay, and, I mean, and he was a tremendous football player. I mean, he was a like a you know hard hitter. All this. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Newt Rockney is a rookie, and he's playing against. Um, and uh, Jim Thorpe is the running back. Newt Rockney is a defensive end. Okay. Play the snap of the ball. Newt Rockney comes around the corner and just level. It just hammers uh, Jim Thorpe. Drops him in the backfield. And and uh, Jim Jim Thorpe looks up at Rock and he says, "Rock, let old, you got to let old Jim run, Rock. What are you doing? You got to let old Jim run." And so he and so then the next play happens and then repeated almost the exact same scenario was <laughs> Rockney comes around comes around the corner, uh, yeah. you know Jim Thorpe gets the ball and Rockney hits him and tackles him and he, and he says again, Rock, what are you doing? You got to let old Jim you got to let old Jim run, right? And so the next play, the third play comes it comes happens. And in this case, before Rockney can even take a couple of steps, he is absolutely a nail. <laughs> like the the next thing he knows, he's just he's look he's look he's like looking down the field. Jim Thorpe's just run down the field, score a touchdown. Jim Thorpe ran him over, right? And on his way back down the field, Jim Thorpe looks at him and says, "There you go, Rock. <laughs> way to let old Jim run because <laughs> he just ran him over and scored a touchdown." He's like, "That's how you do it, Rock. Let That's old how Jim it's run." Supposed yeah. to work. I had that was a little aside, but but anyways, so football back in the um, or the, so uh, the overall concept of football in the in, in their twenties and that is that football was an you know an evolving game, yeah, and college football was it. Um, some just such luminary teams like Michigan was a dominant force. Michigan was a superpower back then, just you know and. Um, and so, but, but the, the evolution of pro football really stems like a lot of other sports, which is that you have these uh, stars in college that when they're done, you know, they're such stars that they want to see them continue to play after the college game is over. Um, and they want to see them compete against other former like superstars, so to speak. So really the big name that came out, the, really the big, uh, the guy that gets a lot of the credit for really, um, like universal credit for really putting pro football on the map um, was Red Grange. Okay. Because Red Grange was such a big name in college that when he signed pro, like there, there wasn't like a ton of money really in the pro, in pro football early on. 
Um, a lot of the players would work side jobs. They would get like a job as a teacher or whatever. And part yeah. of their contract would actually be from the team saying, you sign with us and we got a, like a managerial job at a factory for you, like earning excellent, you know, so, so that was like, a, you know, a supplemental income like yeah. guaranteed job was like, like part of the contract. And, yeah, yeah. So, and so this is for football. That was for pro football. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think baseball had it a little bit better. I don't think it was to that to that point, but pro football was definitely t- it was the type of thing. Um, and even in, with the hockey too was, was the same kind of thing where you would actually part of your contract was that they would they would get you a good job after the season was over. Oh, okay, yeah. So really, and it was a chance for them to build a career, you know, a secondary career, which is when their career was over, right? They could continue on rising up the corporate ladder, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> I just like the seventies and eighties. Yeah. It was like every pro athlete opened a car dealership. Yeah, there you go. It was yeah. like they yeah. all had a car dealership, yeah. and then there was that big meltdown a handful of years ago, and uh, they would just deal. You know, the, the the big three were, and everybody were just shutting down dealerships, and so now they now they're all sportscasters. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank yeah. God for twenty four hour yeah. news and cable networks. Now they can get gigs at sportscasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get a can open Coaches a car dealership, stuff, sure. car dealership anymore. All right, anyway. So anyway, so the idea was is that Red Grange, when he came into to uh, pro football, would just like electrify it. Like it was just like a, it was a big deal because they're all like, oh, my God, you know, and it, Red Grange played for the Chicago Bears. And so it really put them on the map. You know, they, they were already on. The, they were, you know, one of the name brand teams. Mm-hmm. But it really brought a lot of cachet. It really brought a lot of that college football, which was already huge, um, brought that into the pro into pro football okay. um, like that. So. So, so that was really that was like uh, I forgot what year that was. It was like in the early. It was like I think it was the mid nineteen twenties when mm-hmm. Red Grange signed with the Bears. So anyway, so the pro football was began to you know evolve in popularity. More stars joined the ranks in that. Um, and then uh, one of the one of the things that began to evolve, which really separated pro football, especially in these early eras, um, from 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 anything really, was the, the is the increasing use of the forward pass. Okay. Okay. Because, like, if if you're familiar with the games, um, the viewers are familiar with the games where you have uh, rugby. You know, rugby is a it's almost like a similar. It, it, without the forward pass, football and rugby are eerily similar. Okay. Um, and so the the forward pass is what really began to distinguish football. You know, um, American football from anything else. And so the so one of the things so there's a whole if you look on YouTube, there's some great shows about the evolution of the football. That was like one of the biggest things to happen. Because originally the football, there's one great video you can search for it. It's actually got, uh, I believe it's Boomer Esiason, who's a former NFL uh, uh, superstar. And Boomer goes through, he's, at, he's like a great, this former great quarterback. And he uses all the original balls to demonstrate, um, you know, to see how easy they were to throw. And so some of these early 1920s balls, he's like, man, this thing is like throwing a rock. It's like throwing a, it's like throwing a watermelon. Like some of them are just so big. So anyways, and so the ball began to change, but to, you know, to, really to um, allow them to throw it easier. That was really the big thing. And so I forgot, I think it was right before 1934 yeah. is when the, is when the ball uh, made its one of its biggest shifts in, in, in reductions in size and almost, it would almost be um, recognizable today. Uh, and, and so the, the, really the, the forward pass really started to, um, take off in this, like really right in this specific era. Um, that, like this is the era when the forward pass really started to, to take off. But the, the way that they would do it was like nowadays we have this like pocket passing where a quarterback drops back and the line, you know, sort of drops back and forms a, a, a cup around him, like a bowl. Like that's what they call it a pocket to protect that quarterback, to give him max protection while he, you know, max time to find the guy he wants to throw to and then to throw it. Back in this time, uh, passing was a lot more 
along the lines of like misdirection. Like they would fake a team out yeah. and then pitch the ball to another guy who was like sitting there. And now he just throws like a quick, you know, like a, a, a pre-designed route. Like there's a guy already run into the spot where the ball is going to go. So it was more, that was more along the lines of the way they did passing um, back in this, back in this era. Um, but it was, you know, the, the, the running game was essential. Yeah. You run the ball continuously back in this era. That was the, the idea. But one of the misconceptions that I really want to get out um, when talking about this, especially on this line of thought, um, is that it was like two yards in a cloud of dust. Like a lot of times you see these old black and white NFL games from, you know, or, or old football games with leather helmets. Yeah. And that the players are just battling, you know, grinding back and forth. And there's like, you just see one a guy, you know, carry the ball for like a yard and get tackled. And you never see any action. And nothing, like nothing could be further from the truth. These, oh. the, the NFL back then, like, um, there was a, like, even though it was a, a heavy reliance on the ground game, um, there, I mean, there, you wouldn't see these massive, you know, high, super high scoring games, but there was plenty of offense. There really was there. I mean, there's, um, I mean, the Lions are putting up points on people. There's, um, the games were, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I, that's what the misconception I want to get across is it wasn't, I mean, there had to be something to the game to continuously draw people to it and for this game to grow during this era. So, um, it's, it wasn't as, um, as, you know, uh, you know, just because it wasn't the crazy aerial attacks that we have now, um, doesn't mean the game was necessarily like, you know, some boring, slow contest or anything like this. So, um, and, you know, one more thing to kind of get across as far as the football, this era, um, which is really important to know is that, um, uh, nowadays a football roster has I actually wrote those down. Um, nowadays a football roster has, what is it? 53 guys what have I written down here. Yeah. 53. So you have 53 guys on a team, Okay, 53 guys. And there's only at any given time. Um, you know, you've only got 11 guys on the field at, at any given time. Mm-hmm. So back then your roster sizes are like 26 guys. All right. So, you, you know, this is this, so you've got 26 guys and there's only 11 people on the field. So, like, they're playing both sides of the ball. They're playing both sides of the ball. I know that literally. Phrase. Yeah, both sides. So, <laughs> Iron, in essence, it was called Iron Man football, and that's yeah. what they played a lot of it. A right. lot of Iron. There was a lot. They would, so they would play both sides because there's actually um, like limited substitutions. Like you, you could you couldn't just trade players out every other play like they do today. Mm-hmm. Um, you like literally like had to play both sides of the ball, and so a quarterback wasn't just a guy who could throw the ball. He had to be equally proficient at like running the ball. He had to be able to play defense. He'd be able to play safety. Like he had to cover, like whatever position you played on the field, you had to be able to cover your polar opposite on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's really what it what it boiled down to. So you'd be like one second, you'd be running the ball, and the next second you're trying to stop the guy coming at you. <laughs> so that was really a you know, it's it's just such yeah. an interesting dynamic. And um uh you know, it's it's obviously doesn't exist like that today, but it's just such a cool thing. Like when we were kids playing growing up playing yeah. football, we would play Iron, you know, we that's all you do is play Iron Man. You're playing, you know, when you're playing backyard football, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and it's just such a cool game. Yeah. Like, I almost like wish that it was like that today because it's it's just such a cool thing. Like, you got guys in the field just battling it out all day on offense and defense, you know, and it's just all, anyways. That was that's sort of like an overview. Yeah. Um, we got a couple era. people joining us. Kevin, uh, has started up a, a watch party. Oh, great, Kevin. And then, uh, what's his, Kevin is Bush. Like, oh, yeah. Bush. What's up, Bush? I, we wished him happy birthday a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Right on. That was Jennifer, guy, yeah. Jennifer's hanging out as well. All right. Hey, Jenny, how you doing? <laughs> Raider, Jennifer Raider. Yeah, Jenny. So, uh, yeah, we, um, yeah, so let's, we're, we're going to try to, met, if, you, if you're on here, if you comment on here, um, we're going to try to give you a little mention or a shout out yeah. on here. So. so thanks for starting up a watch party. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate that. And, uh, so, all right. So, 
little foundation there on, on, on the football. Um, so what do we need to know about? Do we need to know about the Spartans or do we need to know about Well, Posse? there's so much to go into with all that. So I just want to start, like, again, like, you know, if, you know, when, where we were talking with the Detroit Tigers, um, we were t- like, you know, there's two real luminaries that we focused on a lot in our discussions with the Tigers, uh, Frank Navin and Mickey Cochran. Right. Those are the two that, like, really got more airtime than anybody that sure. we talked about in the Tigers section. And so in this case, yeah. the one person that's going to get probably more airtime than anyone is Potsy Clark. Okay. Because there was like, for, like we, you know, we have the show introduction, you know, the, the, the header on the show where it says, you know, the forgotten genius of Potsy, uh, of George Clark, which is his name, George Potsy Clark. Um, but he was more than just like this football genius. He was, I call him, you know, his nickname at the time was the little Colonel. <laughs> um, but I call him the father of the Detroit Lions. Okay. I mean, he was that, uh, you know, as we've alluded to, just a, an absolutely uh, essential person for the foundation of the Detroit Lions. Um, and so I just got, I got a couple, just a bullet point list of yeah. like some of the dates and stuff like this, so we don't uh, have to do any. So I have uh, I have some of uh, I have some of those images you sent me. Yeah. And that, okay, that video right. clip. So just call them up whenever you want them. Okay. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think which ones we got. So we got uh, yeah, there's a Potsy there on the cover. Yeah. Of so the, let me run through some of them. Out. Yeah. Right, go ahead. Yeah. So we'll um and I'll because I know which ones we got to bring up. So anyways um so just a rundown of some of the you know like I say the dates and facts. Uh-huh. So born March twentieth, eighteen ninety four in Carthage, Illinois. Um, he was nicknamed Potsy at age six by by a local veterinarian. I don't know exactly why, right. but um, that but that was the idea. Um, so in high school, so this is just this is just a list of his football accomplishments leading up into the story we're really going to get into today. So in high, so he went into high school in 1909. Um, he led his he led his football team to uh, undefeated seasons as a sophomore and a junior, and then uh, his final game of his senior season was his only loss, the final game of his senior season. So basically three undefeated seasons with the exception of one loss at the, the final game of his senior year. All right, so so he's just like a, he led his team to th- basically three undefeated seasons in high school. And so they get so um in uh so he so his first is uh, his uh his um so his, he goes into a college called William and Vashti College, okay? Right. In in both so in in night so his so in 1912, he's at all state for this college. In 1913, he le- he's the captain and he leads that team to another unde- to an undefeated season in his second year in college. Okay, then he's noticed by a legendary um, college coach at this time named Bob Zupke, and he transfers to the University of Illinois, which at the time was a powerhouse in football, um, or maybe a growing powerhouse, I guess, with the with all this. Um, but anyway, so he transfers to Illinois, and as soon as he gets to Illinois. He has um, he has two undefeated seasons at Illinois, mm-hmm. so two undefeated seasons <laughs> there too. It's like undefeated, undefeated, oh, undefeated. Yeah, right. I mean, you're going to see this track record. And so in this, and in, in so his first season, 1914, he ha- he leads the uh, Illinois to a Western Conference championship, undefeated. In 1915, it's a, a second Western Conference championship, but it's a tie for it, so they tie for the Western in another undefeated season. So two years of undefeated season, and so. Um, so he was called by Bob Zupke as um, one of the best backs he ever coached. Uh, Red Grange was in the same con- in the same mention as Bob Zupke because Red Grange also played at University of Illinois. So Red Grange and and, and you know the, basically Potsy Clark was like Red Grange before Red Grange. You see what I'm saying? He just mm-hmm. didn't have the same name recognition. So anyway, so um, he was so so when he graduated from Illinois, he was so highly regarded in baseball. That he was offered a contract by John McGraw for the New York Giants and Clark Griffith of the Washington Nationals. So two major league teams were offering him a major league contract when he came out of college. Wow. 
just because he was because he was so good at baseball too. So this guy's an athlete par excellence. Uh, yeah. So anyways, so he gets out of out of uh, college and he coaches at um, coaches football at Kansas before enlisting in the in the in the army to fight in World War One. So this is 1917 when he enlists in the army. So he becomes the second lieutenant of the 89th Field Artillery and saw combat in France in 1918. But this is what's uh, really interesting about this. Okay, so um, so it the, in 1918. While they're over there, like you, you probably many people are probably familiar with, like if you've heard anything about World War One, there was all these like impromptu like baseball leagues, oh. soccer leagues. You know, they just they, the, you know the the soldiers would play sports there. You know, okay, I mean? and so they have like tournaments and stuff like this. Like the soldiers would. So this is something that probably nobody knows. Okay, but it's like the coolest thing. Yeah, is that there was an American Expeditionary Force um, uh, football <laughs> uh, tournament championship. Okay, okay, and. So he, so he played and coached for the, for this 89th division team to the AEF championship, which is the American Expeditionary Force championship. So he wins a championship over there, <laughs> a championship with this, you know, American Expeditionary Force championship, and it's his last game that he ever plays. And, uh. and he, you know, leads the state. Actually, I got a quote real quick for that. Let me grab that. Uh, could you grab that? Yeah, um, yeah, I'll grab that, those books. Set for him. Because I want to read this. It's a great little quote that talks about him actually doing it. Thanks, man. I should put this out earlier. So, anyway, so this is uh, this is a great little ditty right here. Yeah, short and to the point. Look at us not pulling our books out, not doing our homework right. Yeah, <laughs> focus on every single thing except for some of the most important. Yeah, stuff. the information. Oh, dang it. Yeah. So here's so three forty six. Yeah. So this is a great little quote right here. So, anyways, all right. So, um, so this is a quote that comes out. They're they're talking about it a little bit after the fact. This is uh this is actually comes out of a, this quote comes out of a 1937 Detroit Lions game program, mm-hmm. um, written by H.G. Uh, Salzinger, who's one of like the biggest Detroit um, legends as far as newspaper reporters. So, anyways, um, so this is the quote right here. Robert C. Zupke says that Potsy Clark was the best football player he ever coached. Potsy's playing career, strangely enough, closed at the Velodrome near Paris on the last Saturday in March 1919. Arthur S. Hopush recently discovered a copy of The Watch on the Rhine, the official publication of the Marne Division of the Army of Occupation. The newspaper was published at Andernach, Germany, and the copy referred to contains a long account of the game that decided the football championship of the AEF, American Expeditionary Force. Mm -hmm. According to the headline, Patsy Clark of Illinois stars in hottest contest of entire gridiron season. Clark was a lieutenant and played with the 89th team. They met at the 36th division team. They met the 36th division team in the final in, in Paris and won 14 to 6. According to the account, both teams played brilliant football, keeping the crowd of 15,000 on their toes practically every minute of the game. Lieutenant Potsy Clark, a former All-Western quarterback and punch of Zupke's 1915 Western Conference Championship champions, easily outshone either team. At all times dangerous, he cut loose during the second half and wound up wound up his AEF career by running through the entire 36 division team going 65 yards for a touchdown. So, wow. So like so I guess his last game is in the in the army yeah. the AEF winning an AEF championship. I just think it's like the great the coolest thing. And that's that first picture if you want to throw that up there. I actually got the team photo of the AEF. There they are right there. There's Potsy in the top right corner. Okay. Yep. So um he's tall. 
the he's the shortest guy in the. Oh, he's Owen on the right. Yeah, okay. with the white shirt on. Yeah, okay, he's fair the shortest. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they uh, but that's the my that's other the, right. That's yeah, yeah. That's the, <laughs> a, the so that's the AEF uh, team that oh. won that AEF championship right there. The American wow. Expeditionary Force, World War One. That's just like the coolest photo. When I when I found that photo, I was so I was just so happy. I was like, oh my god, that's the team that won that. And that if you notice in there too is that the the article that he was talking about. Um, that they found the story of that game mm-hmm. was like out of a, it, I think it was out of a German newspaper. Cause you said Andernach Germany, um, that it was the army of occupation or whatever. Like they, like it was, it didn't sound like it was written by a, like an American newspaper. It was like some, you know, some army journal or something. So, um, you know, it's just great that there's, uh, there's that story. But, um, so anyways, there's Potsy. He's coming out of the army and he's like, Championship, championship, undefeated season, star. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like this guy. Like, what what player have we talked about, or what? Or I mean, or that we will talk about? There's nobody that can match that kind of a track record sure. of just dominance. Whatever team he played for, won. You know, I mean, he's just like at this point in his career, he's already a legend. So, anyways, um, so he gets out of the army, and uh, so he becomes. So this is what's kind of interesting is. He becomes a uh, head coach at Michigan Agricultural College in 1920, which is that now today it's Michigan State. I was going to say yeah, yep. MSU, yeah. Yeah, so he coached a year at Michigan State. You know, back then it was called Michigan Agricultural College. Mm-hmm. So 1921 to 25, he's coach. He's uh, takes co- various coaching positions um, at Kansas. Uh, or 1921 to 25 is at Kansas. 1926 at Minnesota. Uh, 1927 to 29 is at Butler. In 1930, he quits coaching to run a successful insurance business, but love of the game brings him back. Mm. And so this is really where we start with the positive. That's like my little itemized list. All right. All right. So, um, so this is, so this is going into 1931. Okay. Okay. And so, um, so he becomes coach of the Portsmouth Spartans, as we've already kind of alluded to this idea that, um, you know, this is where he's going to land on. Um, what other, oh yeah, so we're good with that. So anyways, um, so he becomes coach of the, to the Portsmouth Spartans. But before we even talk about what he did with the Spartans, it's yeah. incredibly important to mention the team that he was taking over. Okay. So it's, so he joins the 19, becomes a coach in 1931. But in order to understand the team, we got to understand 1930 with the, you know, the year before he got there, you know, what was the team when he took over? Right. Right. So, uh, again, so Portsmouth, um, as we mentioned, Portsmouth was absolutely hammered during the Great Depression. Yeah. I mean, it was a small town. It doesn't have a lot of money really anyways, but it's also um, got hammered in the Depression. So it was already – so in this era, there was no NFL draft. That's another thing that separates them from us is the draft is set up so that even it doesn't matter like how small a city is or how much money a team has. Sure. They all you – know, like the worst team gets the best – the top pick, you know, the best player, you sure, know, sure. best player available. So in this time it was about money, right? I mean, that's really what it is. So the best talent was going to. So it's, it's then was why we have those rules now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in 1936, the first NFL draft, right after that, Lions, you know, do it. So, um, so anyways, so it's, but at this point there was none, and so it was really all about the skill of the coach to identify talent, oh. and it was about um, and like or you know the money that you had to pay these players, especially the money. Mm. You know, New York, Chicago, some of these bigger cities had, you know, advantages. And, and you stuff. said like those ancillary jobs they would have in those bigger towns, exactly. there are bigger, better jobs to You nailed it because there's because in Portsmouth, if there's if you know, they're ravaged by the Great Depression and jobs are hard to come by already, like that's a tough thing to even get, yeah. you know, to, to bring people in. So um, and so anyways, and so so the yeah, so the economic situation of Portsmouth is a is a big deal, obviously. So um and so uh 
uh, so the Spartans team had finished eighth of 11 teams okay. in 1930. Okay. So they're also terrible on the field too. Right. So he's, so he comes in. So, so the team is not in a, it's in a tough spot. I mean, right. So anyway, so Patsy comes in 1931 and he, and he cuts 30 players. Oh. From the 1930 team. Holy crap. 30. Okay. So, so that's like, the, that's like of all the things I read, like roster turnovers where a guy comes in and like overhauls a roster. I've never seen somebody cut 30 guys. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And the rosters were a lot smaller back then. Well, too. And they were smaller. That's what I'm saying. So, so what the first thing he did was he trimmed the, you know, like the, the roster in 1930 was 37. Oh, and so it's water like, boy, you're staying. Everybody yeah. else get out. So, yeah. So he, she, he trims 30 players from the 37 man roster and Whew. he reduces the overall roster to 26. Ah. And then, um, and then so he adds 19 new, 19 new players to his thing. Okay. And so, uh, so of the, of the 19 new guys he adds, three would still be with him in 1934 when they became the Lions and six would be with them when they won the 1935 championship. Oh, wow. So this is a major, you know, this is a major, addition you know yeah. what i mean like the fact His that configuration he would, he's doing yeah right like now. like right from the beginning he's already like found the guys that are eventually going to become you know the this champion in detroit and so um so anyways uh so yeah so um so this is so this is where we kind of get into the begin start to uh, unravel or you know explore or dive into who he is yeah is that the very first day of practice okay um the he, like what the probably the best player that he inherited from that 1930 team is a guy named uh, Roy Father Lumpkin. Okay, so right. his name is Roy Lumpkin. I love all the nicknames, I know the great the greatest name the greatest I names. Just there love is, the yeah. nicknames. Yeah, so Roy Father Lumpkin. Yeah, Lumpkin. So all anyways, right. so that's what you talk about a great story for the screenplay. Like yeah. this, Lumpkin is like a one of the main characters I got. In <laughs> and so in his in his story arc just in real life was amazing yeah. too. Like it's I mean he's like he was a fan favorite. He's one of the best players in the team. He's a big brutal uh, fullback. It's like a, one of the best blockers in the in the in all of NFL. Huh? Um, he's a great player. And so, um, and he was, his nickname is the rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. That's Father Lumpkin. <laughs> so, cause he, that was, that was, cause there was a song called that. And yeah, so they, yeah. they named, they nicknamed him that. So anyways, so he comes on there and, and, and Father Lumpkin is this like jovial player, like, um, captain of the team, like, um, you know, does whatever kind of he wants to do. You know, he's, he's just, he's like the life and soul, you know, he's just like the, you know, he's a funny man, you know what I mean? But he's yeah. also one of the best players in the team. So his very first, fir- very first practice, he comes in, Potsy does throw his po- father Lumpkin off the team for horse, for horse, uh, horse play. Like he wasn't being serious about the practice, joking around too much. <laughs> Potsy cuts him. Cut, cut. Like, like yeah, off like, the team? Put, like threw well, threw him off the field with the intention of like you're done. Oh, like he didn't like he didn't actually register the transaction through the wire service or anything. But yeah. it was like you're done. Get off my field. Up. Oh. And so first day, first day <laughs> in practice, the tone. setting the tone exactly. His best player, he throws <laughs> off the field. And so anyways, um, like the idea, the, the you know the idea being throwing him off the field, like you know you're off the field and like. I'm going to decide between now and like sort of the end of the day whether I want it, this to be permanent. That's sort right. of that's more along the lines of the situation. Um, so I don't want to say cut him, cut him, but it was sure. like you know what I'm going to I'll figure out what I want to do with you later. You know, yeah. you, you might not be here tomorrow. Hit the showers exactly. I'll so anyways, and so Lumpkin came to a Tapazzi after that and apologized. Like I'm sorry, never happened again like this. Whatever. And so Potsy re you know brings him back, and Lumpkin is going to play a major part of all the stories. Um, so that's how he yeah, he sets the tone. 
um, right from the beginning. And then, and also right from the beginning, the 1931 Spartans, the very, his very first year, they also set the tone because the 1931, the Spartans come out and dominate. Mm. Uh, they have a, they come out with an 11 and three record in their very first, like with this new team right. and all this. Um, so they come right out in his very first year and are, are like an immediate, um, an immediate powerhouse, uh-huh. um, to get to, you know, to start this thing out. So, um, so anyways, do you have any questions? Cause I can keep on. T- no, no, no. It, so. so yeah. So it, the national championships in those, cause I got a little image there. That's for green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. All right. That's literally the next point in the story I'm going to get to. So, all right. So yeah, 29, 30, 31, the national champs. Uh, so you're looking were, at that green Bay, green Bay. program. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that, so that ties exactly into this 1931. You're spot on with your, uh. with your timing with that as <laughs> yeah. usual. There you go. Um, and this is unscripted too. So you're, sp- you're, you know, we're totally in sync. I've been flashing that, that up yeah. and down the whole I know. Time. Yeah. You have been, but, <laughs> but now you're, you, you now flash up on. that one time. That All right. The perfect time, you know, that you finally nailed it. So, um, so anyways, uh, so 1931 yeah. is, is like this key, this, this key scenario because, because the Spartans are headed down the wire. They're playing, they're, they're having this great team led by, at the, you know, they'd already identified Dutch Clark as their, um, as like this. He was an, Dutch, so they led by two rookie all pros. All pros means like you're like the best in the league. You're just like an all star basically. And so they have two led by their two all pros, Dutch Clark and George. You're going to love this nickname, George Tarzan Christensen. <laughs> all right. Tarzan. So George Tarzan Christensen and, and, uh, and Dutch Clark. Or so his name is Earl Dutch Clark. All right. And so, um, and so the, right off the bat, there's two rookies and they're in, and they leading this team and, and Tarzan, as his name implies, like, cause it was named, cause back then Tarzan was like the big movie coming mm-hmm, out, right? Mm-hmm. And Tarzan, um, was it Johnny Weissmuller that played the original Tarzan was like, you know, stacked, you know, muscles and like this. And that's how Tarzan Christensen okay. was. He's one of the biggest guys. Um, you know, one of just one of the biggest guys there was, and I've got, we'll get some pictures of him when we talk about him more in depth, but yeah. he was just an absolute monster. I mean, uh. he was just an absolute monster. And so, so anyway, so he led by these two stars that the, the, the Spartans are just dominant. It was a great team. So anyways, as that graphic shows in the graphic for people that can't see it, um, it's a, it is a, it's in a game program, um, that, sh- that on the cover of it, it's a Green Bay Packers versus Portsmouth Spartans game program. And it shows on the cover um, three flags that say national championships on them for yep. the Green Bay Packers, 1929, 1930, and 1931. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, and so, in essence, the, the Portsmouth Spartans are chasing the Green Bay Packers. At this point, they're, they're the two-time NFL championships, mm. two, two years in a row. So the Packers were tough, man. They yeah. were really tough. And so, 1931... Um, again, the Packers are tough again. So the Packers are, ch- the, the, the Spartans are chasing the Packers. And at the end of the year, the, the record for the Packers was 12 and two. The record for the Portsmouth Spartans is 11 and three, but they're the two best teams in the game in the, sure. in the, in the, in the Ports and the Spartans had not yet faced the Packers. Oh. And so there was like a, so there was a, um, they were scheduled to face them in the final game. All right. But it, but it, but it, when in making the schedule for this, for the season, it was more of like a, a, a phone call that said, what t- when are we going to play you guys? And they were like, oh, at the end of the year, we'll play you on this date. And they're like, okay. And so what ended up happening is the Packers back out of the game. No. You they can't backed, do that. You can't. That's I know. That's right. You, they backed out of the game. And so, yeah. So, and so, the, it, and so the, and when, when the, the sports are like, you got to give us a game. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And because if they would have beat them, they would have tied, tied, the tied record, it yeah. up and they would maybe would have played another game to decide it or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Packers back out and they said, and when, and when they took it to the, uh, like to the league, to the commissioner, yeah. 
and the commissioner, they're like, where's your, you know, like, where's the documentation that says you guys were scheduled to play? And they're like, what are you talking about? What's the schedule for anybody? Where's the, where, you know, where's the, what do you mean? The, 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 the you know, they're, he's talking about like a hand, like a yeah. contract. Yeah, yeah. He's like, where's the contract? And they're like. He's in on it. He yeah, was in on it. That's what I mean. They're like, what do you mean the contract? It was like, a, you know, we, we picked out a day and we were scheduled to play. And the guy goes. Well, if you don't have a contract, I don't know what to tell you. And they're going, what do you mean a contract? What the, what, what games, you know, what, what do you mean a, a contract to play a football game? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're, it's like, we haven't played them yet. This is a team that we're, um, you know, that's on the, it's in our league. Yeah. You know, it's in the league. Why, you know, it's time to play them. And so they back out. And then they won the claim the championship off that in uh, 1931. Shenanigans. That's what I mean. That, that was the flex. So they were. They, that's what I mean. So the Portsmouth Spartans were rightly angered by the Oof. fact they're like, "What a bunch of chickens!" They want that's how you're going to win your championship is by. Uh, they're like, "Why should we play?" Because the Packers were like, "Why should we play? We already have the championship." So I knew there was a reason I didn't like Green Bay. Yeah, so that's where it, really that's where the beginning <laughs> of it starts. I'm going to give you a lot more reasons not to like Green Bay as we go on with this story, but that's uh, you know this is the beginning of that um, All right. sort of rivalry with them. So, anyways, yeah. So you know this is really again this is all these players are on this team. This is where their hatred of Green Bay starts. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? They're like, come on. And so, the, you know, the, the guy who's running this team is a, f- a familiar name to a lot of people that maybe football fans, Curly Lambeau. Mm-hmm. You know, Lambeau Field is named after okay. him. And so he's the, you know, he's the coach. He's, uh, you know, he's the coach at this time. And this is where the animosity with like Potsy Clark and him begins oh. with, 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 um, with Curly Lambeau. And so anyways, yeah. So. Um, so, th- so that's how, so the, the 31 Portsmouth Spartans got like totally jobbed out of this championship, man. So anyways, so that's this. So, so going into the, into the next year, um, uh, so going into this next, next year, mm-hmm. now they're like, you know, they want revenge. Like they're like, we're going to beat the, you know, we're going to beat the Packers and, and, you know, knock them out or whatever. And so it's, and so they actually, they get the revenge in spectacular fashion. Oh, okay. This is like, this is so, this is so cool. Um, so, so, so this, uh, next year they, um, the, the, at, at one point the, uh, the Packers are actually having a great year. They're having this fantastic year in the, in the Spartans have tied, I think like two or three times. I forgot mm. to exactly written the record down, but so they tied like two or three times, but at the time a tie didn't count for anything. It was like basically like the game never happened. Ugh. So they had like two or three ties, but what ended, up, what ended up happening though was, is that there was another incident that um that led to Potsy getting even more angry with um Curly Lambeau. And he tells them, he tells he tells Curly Lambeau, he says, Next time we play you, we're gonna play you with only eleven guys. We're gonna beat you with only eleven guys. <laughs> we're gonna beat you with he's like, see, I forget I don't even know there's all these different um mythologies surrounding sure, this sure. about what happened or whatever. Um about what happened is you know that not only what led to that um to that incident, but also um his, you know, like why he would say that. It right. Was, it must have been just something that, you know, it must have been something. I don't know what exactly it was, but it, but he said he led him to say the next time we play you, we're going to beat you with only eleven guys. And so the next time they did play him was again this nineteen thirty two. Yeah. They play him with only eleven guys, Jeez. and they beat him. Did, with only did the 11 second bus guys. not show up or something? <laughs> well, I don't know what it, it was a status thing or whatever. It was just something that pots. I don't. That's what I'm trying to say is I don't know yeah. what would lead him for that specific. 
Like saying, you know, there's a lot of things you could say, we're going to beat you. We're going to beat sure. the heck out of you. We're yep. going to beat the tar out of you. But what, but what would lead him to say, we're going to beat you with only 11 guys? Yeah. Like, I don't know what, you know, like what, what, what that would mean. Like maybe it meant, maybe, maybe he was getting criticized for doing like a couple too many substitutions or something like this. Okay. Um, but, uh, but that's the only reason, like, you know, I mean, there's got to be like a motivating factor for why he would say that. And then also why he would live up to that boast. Because he, because there's a great quote in here um, that uh, that they actually talks about it. Um, that uh, that they actually say um, we we were going into the locker. The I think it was Dutch Clark, and uh, he says, uh, you know, we it was either Dutch Clark or Glenn Presnell that says this, but he says that they, prior to the game, Potsy tells him, "You eleven men." Are going out there to beat the Packers today, <laughs> and he goes. And the only way you're coming off the field is on a stretcher. Oh my god! The only way you're coming out, you're, it's all just you eleven. And he sends them out there, and they beat them. <laughs> yeah, I think it was nine nothing. I got to double check the score. But it was like nine. I think it was like nine nothing. Everybody else have food poisoning or something? Not like I say. It was spit, <laughs> no. He said it intentionally. He wanted to beat him for some, there was some motivating factor sure. that led him to say we're going to beat you with only our eleven with these eleven guys. And they did. And they did. And so this team. Became known as the Iron Man. Okay, the Iron Man because they won an entire, they won an NFL game with only eleven uh, and against guys. one of the the the, the premier the team in the league. Team in the league. Exactly. Right? So they're the Iron Men from here on out. These are these Iron Men, and these guys are the ones that are going to end up. We're going still, to but we're still in Ohio. Yeah, so we're still in Portsmouth, but yeah. they would eventually go on to become yeah. many of these guys would go on to become you know Lions and all that. So this is the team that we're the Detroit's about you know going to get in a few years. Mm-hmm. So now now Potsy he's he's just the the coach and the manager, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not playing anymore. Mm-mm. So that last game in in, in the AF World, World yep. War One that was it that that was his last playing that was game. his last game. Yep. Okay, and he's a small guy. Yeah, he's yeah. Yep. He had that picture we saw that picture yeah. uh, a couple minutes ago, and he's like a uh, he's a smaller dude, but he sounds like it just like uh, dominant. You know? Yeah, yeah. He won he's, every... like he's he's gangly there yeah. compared to those other guys. Yeah, and he won everywhere he went. But you know, in football, you don't, doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the biggest guy. Sure. you know what I mean. Like, well, I mean, but to 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 boss around that and to 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 get that message out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I mean, like, but you know, I think that a lot of times with these coaches that you know had these exceptional playing careers like that, yeah, just your mere sort of presence carries a little bit of weight because they because anybody that you you know you're if you're if you're a guy that's won i mean look at the list you know we went through the list of all these championships and undefeated seasons like literally i mean you could i mean i think it's every single year it was a undefeated season for like every single team he played for i mean literally i went down the year year by year and it was like every single like undefeated season undefeated season undefeated western championship oh this one it was a tie for western championship though yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like it's like it's in, in, sensational so i mean a guy like that carries that kind of gravity when he walks in's like i've won championships every year of my life you know what i mean and then his very first season with portsmouth they they rock you know i mean yeah. they come out 31 and this is a this is a you know all of a sudden they're like they love this guy you know they bought in like the very first year he overhauls he cuts what we say 20 guys i mean yeah kind of 30 guys he cuts 30 guys yeah. and then in his first year they're the toughest team in the nfl the packers have to pull the uh some you know dirty trick just to get out just to slink out of where with an NFL championship. You know what I mean? Like that's what he's led. So this is a guy that, you know, this is, I mean, there's something to this guy. I mean, look at him. Um, So anyways, so 1932, so he beats the Packers, the Iron Man game, they beat the Packers. And so, so this sets up a situation, even though the Packers had won way more games, I forgot Mm -hmm. the record, but anybody can look it up on the the line. But uh, so it sets up a situation where the, um, so where the, uh, 
despite the fact that they have an, a dramatically uh, far fewer wins than the um, than the Packers, the the numerous ties that they had had uh, put them in first place by a fraction, by a, the tiniest fraction of a percentage point. And so what what happened was is that the Chicago Bears also they had the same record as the Lions. Okay, okay. Oh. and what that did was it set up a, the first NFL championship game. So if you're looking at it right now and you're wondering why the records don't match, yeah. look at the winning percentages. I, and, what, and so what you're gonna see, and what happened in 1932 is it set the stage for the first NFL championship game. Oh, okay. Yes, because it, it was a tiebreaker. Sure. And so the NFL, for the longest time, had been wanting their own version of a World Series. Yeah. And so now they had it. They yeah, needed yeah. a tiebreaker game to, to, you know, to decide who would win between the Packers or between the, the Spartans and the Bears. And so at, the, at this moment, the season was – there was a, a earlier-than-expected winner that was blown through the United States. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't d- play that championship game – um, they couldn't play a championship game outdoors, uh. and so so they so they they played in Chicago and they played an indoor uh, in inside the Blackhawks uh, ice arena. Oh, which as an ice arena is smaller than a football field. Yeah, and so they had a small field. They played with a miniature <laughs> field. It, mini- it was a smaller field. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was a fifty yard field or maybe. Is this a story of the birth of arena football? Is that? Uh, uh it's the birth <laughs> of the no no. This okay. is the birth of the NFL. <laughs> this is the birth of the NFL. And so I mean, I, I forgot the length of the of the field. I think it was. Uh, I think it was fifty or sixty yards. It was. And yeah. so what they would do is they would rotate the field or whatever. Like that. I think maybe, uh. maybe it was seventy or eighty yards, and each team started at a certain spot. But there's all these different rules that that went into this one particular game in order to have this in order to have this game. And so this is Portsmouth and the Bears. And the Bears, yeah. And they're at the top. They're at the top. Yeah. So where does Green tied. Bay? Where did the Green the Bay? Green Bay finished out of the race. Wow. Okay. That's, that's why you don't see that flag. There was okay. a, there's no 1932 there's, one. Yeah, yeah they were Because the Spartans knocked them off in 1932 with the Iron Man game. So they're playing inside. Yeah. So now it's the Bears. Now it's the Bears okay. versus the Spartans, and this is where the beginning of this of the Bears rivalry starts to germinate. And there's going to be many, many more. By the time we get to 1935, at the the end of the season, 1935, you're gonna. My goal is to show just how red hot the the really the. I mean, they they hated the Packers too, but the Bears rivalry at this point was insane. So we're gonna have to pause. So either do we want to hear about this game, or do we want to do we want to do we want to kick it off with this game? Let's kick it off. Yeah, next next week. Yeah, next week. So we'll find out what happens. Hanging. That's what we always leave want more. Isn't that the first reason of show business is like leave want? All right. So we we got our we got our lions to be. We got the the Spartans there, and we got the Bears. Yes, facing off in 1932 at the first NFL championship game. In, uh, so I'll leave you hanging a yeah, lot yeah. more. So, yeah. and it, so this was taking place in Chicago. Yep, in Chicago and, at and, the Blackhawks uh, Ice uh, Arena. Wow. Indoors, yeah. It was a, in a blizzard outside. That's why they had to play indoors. It wasn't just some random snowfall. They would have played through a snowfall. This yeah. was a blizzard. Yeah. A blizzard ripping through the Midwest. Yeah. So they had to go inside, yeah, play the first NFL championship game. So there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be like a thousand people right now all Googling to see what <laughs> happened next. But guess what? You can wait till next week and you'll find it. out a way better version of the story. We'll find out what happened between yeah. the Bears and the Spartans. Uh, Detroit City of Champions, the website, Charles. You just said it. Just add a dot .com. <laughs> DetroitCityofChampions.com. That's what I was looking for. Fan of the show is the easiest website to remember because it's just add a dot .com. That is, that is oh, you were waiting for me to just add the dot .com? I was, I was okay, waiting good. for you to do that. Mary I, I missed my cue. I missed my cue, man. Mary, Mary Tomlinson said hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mary, how you doing? Long time no see. And uh, Cindy Lee. 
uh, Cindy Lee Lindau. Oh, yeah. Hey, Cindy, she, how you doing? She Monty, checked like, in. Robert Gray, yeah. John Howell, Derek and Sherry uh, Benyelos. Great. Uh, Thanks so, for all watching. Yeah, everybody, all everybody chimed in. So I uh, appreciate you for, for doing that, to giving us a listen, uh, watching on the YouTube and the, yeah, and the share, Facebook Yeah, share, comment, live. help us uh, spread it around. So, yeah, if you're, watching on, if you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube, there is the audio version of the podcast yep. available. And those episodes come out uh, Monday mornings for yeah. your drive into work. Yep. And the idea with the show is that we broadcast live on Facebook. If you haven't seen it now, we broadcast mm-hmm. live on Facebook and then we upload it to all these different sites so you can – Watch it live, or you That's can it. watch it. Uh, you'll listen to it on the podcast, or you can mm-hmm. watch the actual broadcast on YouTube. So if you miss a show, the live show, you can see it on YouTube. Yeah. And the link for that Jamie's got the greatest thing in the world, which is called a link tree. Yeah. Which you got to click this. Uh, you click the link, and it says shows every single way to watch it. All you got to do is like <laughs> literally click on the one you want to watch. It's, yeah. It's the way that right works there. best for you. So the links yeah. uh, down in the description, uh, wherever you're wherever you're watching. Again, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us, and uh, we'll do more again. Yeah, I can't wait. Like it's going to take two episodes just for pots. Like we had to cut <laughs> them off, leave them hanging, <laughs> leave them hanging. That's the All best right. Way to do it. Next week we're off to Chicago. It's Detroit. City of Champions podcast.